All right, brethren, at this time, we're blessed to have our sermon for today, brought to us by Pastor Steve Andrews, and it's entitled, Day of Atonement, Past, Present, and Future. Yes, I have something this time to pass out. And, uh, mainly because I know that there's probably no way that I can get through all of this today, even in the time that I have. It is, as Matt said, it pretty much covers everything that we believe and that we hope for and that we look forward to that the Father and the Son are doing together to bring us into the kingdom. When I was first in, the, in this way, I remember, and I, we have some new people here that have just come and, and um, been, been attending with us, and I remember I was 20 years old, and um, it was very strange. I, I Just coming into a congregation and, and sitting down and, and, and beginning to learn things that were in the Bible, learning things that, that, were, that I had never grown up really understanding. Now, my mother came in and, and learned the way and had some things that she had been taking for a long time, and I had read a lot of it. But when I finally came into the congregation, to the, the, the assembly that we had, I began to understand. And year after year after year, it is so wonderful to, re- to come and to re-understand, to regroup, to, re-under- uh, to bring all of this again um, to mind as we, as we do every year on the Holy Days. I wanted to start out with 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. And the reason why I want to to do that is because sitting in those congregations for many years, and in our congregation also, I heard a lot, and especially as I came into the ministry, I heard a lot about how important it is to preach the Word. And Paul, in his writings, he had a, a young individual that he was teaching, Timothy, and he gave him instructions in, in pastoral care. And he, in this first couple of verses, he says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. <laughs> time after time, I look at that. Preach the word. And that's what we do. We preach the word and then the handout you see is the Word of God that we're preaching today. We're, we're going to bring the Word to you. Uh, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. And we see the history down through the ages. They started out understanding the scriptures 
the apostles went to the synagogue and they learned in the synagogue. They learned from the word. And the only word they had was what we call Deuteronomy. Numbers. Leviticus. Genesis. The first five books of the Old Testament. And the rest of the Old Testament. They did not have the New Testament because that hadn't been written yet. It had not. Letters were being passed out. Letters were there, but it had not been canonized at that time. So when Paul was talking to Timothy, he was talking about preaching the Old Testament as we understand it. Preaching the Word. (laughs) And it wasn't very long, and it wasn't very long before fables began to be uh, promulgated, various things down through history, changing the various things that God had set up from the beginning, from the foundation. Frankly, God wanted these things to be preached down through the ages. We're going to look at something here. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. And some some of the translations say, be, be ready at any time to preach the word. And that's, that's good, because we are. We want to be ready at any time to preach the word. But also, whenever I see someone like Paul use a word like season, in season and out of season, I think about the holy days. Because from the very beginning, God set it up so that there would be Signs in the heavens to mark the holy days. Let's go to Genesis, the first chapter, and let's see this. Because from the very beginning, God set these heavenly signs. And he had it set aside that he would make available, make a time. Here it is right here. It says in the 14th verse, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So we have these signs. We have the moon. We have the the sun. We have the stars. And we know um, how God calculates days using the moon and the different phases of the moon and the different times of the year. And that word that is in there, the seasons, is the word moad. And I went ahead and put some, um, some additions here, some word additions here, so that you would understand some of these things that are that, uh, kind of stand out. And this word moad is an appointed place, an appointed time, a meeting. Appointed time, appointed time, sacred season, a feast, a set feast, an appointed season. Already, God set it up for these feast days to be preached and taught down through the ages. And he did it right from the beginning. Right from the beginning. And you can read the rest of that. Appointed place, appointed sign, or a signal. A tent of meeting. Let's go to Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. In Leviticus 23rd chapter, all of the holy days are listed. All the way down, um, all of them are listed. 
And so you can read through and you can find out what each one of these days that God has set aside. In verse 1 it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses. And for those of you who um, don't know, I've got an easy reader Bible. It's called the sword. And all of the Old Testament's also in red, wherever God spoke. And so the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. If I remember right, that the feast is that word Moad. And let me and I brought my little handy dandy pad here, and I really should be reading off of it because that's where I was going to use it today to, to actually go through these. And let me go ahead and get to Leviticus, the 23rd chapter here, and verse 1. Yeah, that word feast there is that same word, Moed. It's uh, 4150 for those of you that would like the, a strong concordance number in, in the Hebrew. And, and that's exactly what that says. So God says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. They don't belong um, to us except for the fact that we observe them and believe in them. And that's uh, the reason why we're here today, because God has called us here. They're his feasts. And we believe this is the day that he has set aside for the Day of Atonement. It's a beautiful time. And so, he goes on to say, Six days shall work be done, and the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It's the Sabbath of the Lord in your dwellings. And so he established the Sabbath, the seventh-day Sabbath. And also in that, we see these are holy assemblies. This word um, holy does mean holy means set apart um, of God, of places, of things, holiness, apartness, sacredness, separateness. So we are observing a holy convocation, a holy assembly, because that can mean assembly, convocating, reading, calling together, convocation, a sacred assembly. All of these things are what God has set up, and they are all in the scriptures, and they are for us. Uh, to learn from. So, this particular day, Leviticus 23 and verse, begin verses 26 through 32, we see some things here that this day, we're called out to keep this day. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a, a holy convocation, Unto you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So, the word uh, atonement there, uh, you, uh, this is, you'll see this word uh, Yom Kippur. Uh, that means the, the word Yom is day in, in Hebrew, and the word Kippur is atonement. So, uh, we call it the day of atonement. The Jews call it Yom Kippur. It's the same, same thing. So this is the Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. And it shall be a holy convocation. So it's a holy assembly today. 
And so we're here on a Monday, um, meeting together in this holy assembly. And I think um, it's wonderful that God is teaching us so much about his way by calling us together as brothers and sisters and calling us together to worship him on his days that he has set aside. Um, it's a holy convocation unto you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So we will talk about the afflicting of the souls here in a little bit, but not right this second. And you shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement. To make an atonement uh, for you before uh, the Lord your God. So this word make an atonement is quite used quite often, especially when we get to Leviticus 16. And I put that one down also as a, uh, as a reference. And it is kafar, and it means to cover, to purge, uh, to make an atonement, make reconciliation, cover over with pitch. <laughs> By the way, the first time that word is actually found is in Genesis, uh, and uh, Noah uses it to put pitch on the ark. So that particular word is, is quite interesting. To coat or cover with pitch, to cover over, pacify, propitiate, to cover over, atone for sin, make an atonement for, to cover over, atone for sin. So we see the definitions, and, and, and why I'm, I'm doing it now instead of later, so that you'll be able to look and reference, okay, I, I see that word, I see this word, I see the, the different words that are coming up um, that will be highlighted, especially in this early part as we talk about uh, this um, ritual that, they, that the Israelites did during that time. And let's see, let's go, go ahead and go on. Um, so, make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it shall be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. Whatsoever soul that be that doeth any work in that day, uh, the same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations and your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and you shall afflict your souls. In the ninth day of the month, at the even, from even to even, you shall celebrate your Sabbath uh, to the Lord. And so what we find is that beginning last night and the, the, the instructions specific from God, uh, we started fasting it at the beginning of uh, um, the end of the ninth, the beginning of the, of the tenth of the, of the holy day, and we will finish the fast this evening around 7-11. So you can kind of uh, set your watch and look there and, and uh, think about uh, things uh, like uh, donuts and other things that might might be attempting you in your life right now. Water is one of the things that kind of attempts the guys that do this right a, a lot, and, uh, and I appreciate our uh, praise and worship team today because I know how difficult it is sometimes to not only sing, but te to, you know, to speak and all the different things that you have to do on the Day of Atonement. Uh, and I used to sit in the, uh, in the congregation just like you're doing, and I, I kept looking up at those guys that were preaching along for an hour and a half, almost two hours. And I was wondering, how in the world did they sustain themselves? And the only thing I can think of is that God must have been merciful to some of those preachers helping them get through it, because it definitely is a, is a, uh, a different thing to, to uh, 
um, to fast and to be able to uh, continue on and preach at the same time. So I, I, I apologize if I start to, to lose it. Uh, I, I don't really want to. I'd really like to be able to get through as much of this today as I can and, and to preach the word and to help those maybe that are new to understand this Day of Atonement and how very special it is. And I do appreciate what as the songs that have been uh, uh, presented today because they are very much a part of what we're going to be learning and, and how Christ now um, has, a, has a place in this. So let's look. Um, let's go on to Leviticus, the, the 16th chapter, which shows the, the ritual that the Israelites um, had to go through, Leviticus 16. And I really, uh, there is uh, several verses there. It goes, uh, let's see, 34, 34 verses. But I want to, I want to highlight. I don't want to highlight all of it because I, sh I want to get to the New Testament part of this, and um, and and to do that, I'm I'm going to have to kind of uh, break this up a little bit. But uh, I put this out for you to take home with you, so that you will able uh, will be able to go to Leviticus 16 and read all of it, and see how they uh, how God set this up. The reason why he set it up is in verse 1, because Moses' two sons decided they were going to um, be brave and they were going to take fire in and they were going to you know, be gung-ho and go in and, and, and do the ritual and go into the Holy, Holies, Holy of Holies. And God killed them both right there on the spot. That was not what God wanted. And he said, and not only that, he told Aaron, you are not to weep or mourn over them. It was very, very difficult for, these, for, for Aaron now, because he has this responsibility to go in and go before God. But he has the instructions. He says, and the Lord said unto Moses, speak unto Aaron your brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place, within the veil before the mercy seat which is upon the ark that he die not for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat and that was the important thing to understand that God's presence was there on the mercy seat and that mercy seat was a was a lid and a box that had the the, the eventually had um, Aaron's rod that budded and the, the uh, uh, tables of the Ten Commandments in there, the two, uh, two tables of stone, and, and I think there was a couple other things, and I'm not, not sure, but also across it was the covering angels, the two angels. So it must have been beautiful. It was all covered in gold. Uh, it had ways of carrying it, and you can walk down through the, the you, you can go into the scriptures, and, and, and now they had to carry that, uh, Ark of the Covenant, and had to be very careful with it down through the ages. So uh, it even ended up in enemy hands at one time. And that's a funny story because God didn't appreciate it, and he took care of a few things while they were, uh, that was there. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock uh, of a, for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat he shall and the linen breeches and upon his flesh, and he shall be girded with the linen girdle 
and with a linen mitre shall he be attired, and these are the holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which he is for himself to make an atonement for himself and for his house. And so here is the first time that it says, to make an atonement for himself and for his house. So it was important to understand that he had to, to become right with God before he could even do the rest of this that needed to be done. He shall take of the two goats and present them uh, before the Lord at the house of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast the lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat, or as, as you will look, if you look it into the, the, uh, um, the scriptures, or I mean in uh, uh, Strong Concordance, it's H5799, and it actually, uh, it, it can mean entire removal, they use the word scapegoat, but it, uh, it also can, is the word Azaziel. Um, and it refers to the goat used to, for the sacrifice of the sins of the people. Um, it's also been, uh, I've also heard terms of goat of departure, different, different terminology that, that has been used over the years. And so he was to uh, cast a lot. One of them was for the Lord, and one of them was... Uh, the, the go to departure of the Azaziel. Uh, verse 9, he shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell uh, and offer him for sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell uh, uh, to be the Azaziel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for the scapegoat into the wilderness. So, uh, there's a lot of conjecture as to what that second goat is. Uh, could be, uh, and, and in reality, this was a uh, was looking forward, always looking forward to to our son, to uh, Jesus Christ, as the high priest, as the one that would do all of this. And we'll see that when we get to the book of Hebrews. So let's continue on here. This. Um, Second goat, uh, in past I have um, seen it as the one that was Satan, um, that, that put all of the sins on and uh, had him taken to the wilderness and released. The first one, of course, is uh, a type of Christ who was sacrificed. But in this also is the high priest who does all of, the, the, all of it in, in the Passover, they would choose a lamb. Each individual or a household would choose a lamb, and they would sacrifice it. But in this one, it was all the work of the high priest, all of the work of the high priest. And so he would do all of these different things, and you can read down through there, and you can find several times. It was to make an atonement for everything, for all of the things, for the, uh, for the people and for the... Uh, for the uh, uh, even for the tabernacle, everything was to be made in atonement for, for the holy place in verse 16, and cleanness of the children of Israel, and because of their transgressions and all of their sins, 
and so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. So the, everything that was done in this particular um, set of things, of instructions that God gave, was for um, to make an atonement, to cover over. It is interesting <laughs> that, and I heard it one time, and I'm, I'm I think it's probably true. To God, our sins are probably more like the things that we flushed down the toilet. Um, and so, understand that a sin that is committed, let's say you're, that uh, an adultery is committed. There's no way to get around it. It's committed. It's done. It's, it's, over, it's, it's happened. You've already broken the law. Uh, if you murder someone, you, you've already broken the law. You, it's already done. So too. So for the children of Israel to have had a expiation, this atonement to be made for them, it had to be covered over. And it was covered over with blood, wasn't it? Every place was sprinkled with blood. All of the things to make an atonement for the children of Israel. At this time, it was to be made for the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and it was all done by one individual. And he was the only one, the only one, that was allowed into the Holy of Holies. It was the high priest. It was Aaron and Aaron's son. And it's very important to remember this because as we get into the New Testament and we get into the understanding of what Jesus is doing, we, we see the freedom that he is giving to all of us. And also at the same time, he is also making an atonement for us as a, all of his children, all of his children. Wherever we might be, whoever has God's Holy Spirit, and those that he is calling, if you're being called, he is calling you and he is making atonements for you also. So let's continue on here now. Uh, let me read the last few verses here in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. In verse 29, I want to skip to verse 29. And this shall be a statute forever unto you, the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls, and do no work at all, whether it be of your own country, or stranger that sojourns among you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, you shall afflict your souls by a statue forever. And the priest whom he shall anoint and whom he shall consecrate, the minister in the priest's office of his father's stead, shall make the atonement and shall put on the linen clothes, even the holy garments. And he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary. He shall make an atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation and for the altar. And he shall make an atonement for the priest and for the people and for all the congregation. So you see what the, um, the, uh, the, the priesthood at that time, the Aaronic priesthood, Aaron and his sons, 
they were yearly on the Day of Atonement making an atonement for all that was there. And of course, they had the tabernacle and then the temple the, the, and then the second temple, which was also destroyed. And so there are no temple or tabernacle to make these particular type of, of sacrifices. But, but, we have something even greater. And the Bible, and, and the book of Hebrews calls it better, uh, more perfect. And, and we'll see that here in a minute. But I wanted to look at uh, a few things, especially looking at this fasting and afflicting our souls. So let's go to the, the one place that seems to, to have the most about it, and it's Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Isaiah 58. And I don't want to read all of it. I want to begin in verse 3. Isaiah 58 and begin in verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and you see not? Wherefore we have we afflicted our souls, and you take no knowledge? Behold, the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. This is one holy day where God tells us <laughs> we're, to, we're to fast and we're also to, to rest and we're not to be doing any of our work and we're to come before him. Uh, this is a command. And so here uh, he kind of explains a little bit about fasting. Behold, you fast for strife and debate, debate uh, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice be heard on high. It is such a fast that I have chosen. A day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread a sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? He says, is, is not this the fast that I have chosen? So this is what God wants from us. And, I, and it's really hard to live up to what God says here in this in, in Isaiah 58, because we, um, we look at this and we realize, wow, there's some things that we, we should be doing in our life. This is the fast I've choos- chosen for you, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. It is to deal your bread to the hungry. It is to bring uh, the poor that, uh, that are cast out Uh, to your house. And when you see us the naked, that you cover him, and that you hide not yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth as the morning, and your health shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your reward. uh, Let's see, I think that was as far as I wanted to go on that one. Let's go to Matthew, the sixth chapter, and see what Jesus says about fasting also. And I think everyone knows it's, it's difficult to fast. And Jesus says, well, there's some that were fasting just to be seen. Um, beginning in 6 and verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, Jesus says, be you not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that you may 
and that you appear not unto man to fast, but unto your Father, which is in secret, and your Father, which sees you in secret, shall reward you openly. And so consequently, um, we all are his children, and we're here today, and he sees us. He sees us fasting. He, he sees us and he's pleased, and so we know that, and because we're keeping his holy day. We all need atonement. And the reason we all need atonement is because we all still sin. Even after we re receive God's Holy Spirit and all of the blessings that we have, we still come short of the glory of God. Paul says this, I'm going to read verse 1, uh, verse 22 instead of verse 23. This is uh, Romans 3.23. Everybody's very familiar with this if you've been around very long. But I want to read verse uh, 22 also. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For, here is, here's, here's the problem. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is the reason why the whole world needs this day. The whole world needs atonement because of sin. It is in the world in big time right now, I think. And it's just, it's just very difficult to watch what's going on and seeing all of the things that are happening in our own um, in our own United States and around the world. First John, the first chapter, beginning in verse 8, 8 to 10. John says if we, if, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess, though, our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and, the, and his word is not in us. So <laughs> we, we come to a, a, a deeper understanding, don't we? We can't escape it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we say we haven't sinned, we're lying. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful. He loves us. And so He will, he will forgive us of our sins. There's an interesting one verse in Ecclesiastes that I think sums up this, this point. And it's in Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter, in verse 20. And I'm going, to, there's, I'm going to do this on a comparison basis. I'm going to read this verse uh, several times. Uh, there is, in the King James Version, there is not a just man upon earth that does good and sinneth not. And I have several other versions. Uh, BBE, I'm, I'm not sure what all of these are. There is no man on earth of such righteousness that he does not, uh, does good and is free from sin all his days. 
uh, and, and that's true. But even good men do not always do what is right. Sometimes they make mistakes. Uh, uh, sinning is to missing the mark. And the mark is the stature and fullness of Jesus Christ. So if we want, if we want to be like Christ, we will always be looking uh, to him and being guided in our life in that particular way. Another one in the ISV, for there is not a single righteous man on earth who practices good and does not sin. For there is not a man, just man on earth that does, does good and sinneth not. For there is not one truly righteous person on the earth who continually does good and never sins. And so all of those uh, are very true. So let's go now and let's look and see what's going on presently today. What is happening? Why are we keeping this day? What is going on? Well, one of the most wonderful things that's going on is that the Day of Atonement is in full um, power and glory in the heavens, in the heavens. And there is a high priest that is so powerful and so wonderful and so loving and so kind because he's he, uh, oops, how do I get there? There we go. Finally found it. If, and, and I put all these down because it's, it's very important. If you really want to understand what Christ is doing today, what's going on, the work that he is doing, the book of Hebrews lays it out very, very um, profoundly and very powerfully. I may not be able to get through all of these. I, I, I love all of the words that are in here, because there's some powerful words that are, that are written in the book of Hebrews that explains this Day of Atonement and what is happening right now, today, constantly in the throne of God in the heavens. He says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with many infirmities? So that's the reason why the high priest had to offer a sin offering and various things before he could even go in to the Holy of Holies, because he also was human and had sinful tendencies. And by reason hereof, he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man takes this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but that he that said unto him, You are my son. Today have I begotten you. What a powerful word. As he said also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, 
I was going to put it in there, but I kind of ran, <clears throat> ran out of room. But this is an interesting word, and it's also an inter interesting individual that was walking this earth. But <clears throat> if you break this into two Hebrew words, um, Mela, um, I guess I can just jump into there real quick. Um, the actual... Uh, It's a little different than that. It's actually Mele in the Hebrew, in the first part, and Kizedek is the second part. But it's king of righteousness. King of righteousness. Or king justifier. Or king just. And so, it is so profound that he is the priest. The king righteousness. And remember, He's also King of Kings and Lord of Lords when he comes to this earth. Well, we have a part in that. Remember, we're going to be called priests and kings in the kingdom of God. Who, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him, from death, and was heard that he would feared. Though he were a son, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, Seeing you are all dull of hearing, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that we're not dull of hearing today. That we are going to hear and learn about Christ's work that He is doing right now. Let's go to Hebrews the seventh chapter and beginning in verse eleven, and let's see what's going on. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. What further need was there another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is, need, there is made a necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertains to another tribe, which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who is made not after the law of carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is ver uh, verily a, a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing of better hope did by which we draw nigh unto God. And insomuch as not without an oath he was made a high priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but with an oath 
by him was said unto him, The Lord swore and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So, we have a priest in heaven. He is after the order of Melchizedek. And he's a powerful priest. And he stands before the very throne of God. And he sits on the right hand. And so when we go to Jesus Christ and God the Father, we have a wonderful, powerful advocate, which we need because we do sin. And so this high priest is there for us, Jesus Christ. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament, a better covenant. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. <laughs> happens to everyone. But this man, because he continues ever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them the uttermost, uh, to the uttermost that come unto God. By him, seeing he ever lives, to make intercession uh, for them. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. This is very important on the Day of Atonement to understand Jesus Christ's position and what he is doing for us and how his position, because he is holy, separate, and all of the things we, we just read. Um, it is a wonderful uh, thing that we can go to God uh, through our Savior, Savior Jesus Christ. Who needs not daily, as those high priests, to offer sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once for when he offered himself. For the law makes men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, makes the Son who consecrated forever who is consecrated forevermore. I want to go to um, eight and just a couple of verses here. Now, of this thing we have spoken. This is the sum. This is the sum of it. We have such a high priest who was set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Remember, uh, the scripture says that Moses was commanded to, be, to, to follow everything that God told him to do because it was an exact replica of what was in heaven. There was not to be any deviation. And in fact, he gave the spirit to those men who were craftsmen, so that they could create a most beautiful tabernacle that wandered in the wilderness for, for years and years and years. Let's go to verse the, let's go to chapter nine now. I might actually get through this. <laughs> and I'm going to pick it up in um, well, let's pick it up in verse one. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made of the first wherein 
was the candlestick and the, ta uh, the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was a golden pot that had manna and the Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it, the cherubim of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accompanying the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for the himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time uh, then present in which there was offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which sold, uh, stood only in meats and drinks and different washings and carnal ordinances improvised, uh, imposed on them until the time of the, of the Reformation. But Christ, now here we, this is the key, Christ being come, a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, and, uh, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Our high priest is in the holy of holies right now. And he is doing the day of atonement for us today. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer and the sprinkling of unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And that's what he's doing on the Day of Atonement, but always he wants us to focus to serve God in our life, to, to change our lives so that we are focused, so that we are living a righteous life to the best of our ability. And when we sin, as we will, we can go to God and ask forgiveness, and He will forgive us. And for this cause, He is the mediator of the new covenant that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant the word testament actually can, can have be testament but it also can be um, a, a dispute here's, here's the um, Greek diakon uh, athake a disposition arrangement of any sort which one wishes to be valid the last disposition which one makes of his early, earthly possessions after his death, a testament or will. 
a compact, uh, number two, a compact, a covenant, a testament. And so that, that's what we're talking about here. Um, he is the mediator of a new covenant, a new, a new testament, that by means of death, uh, for the redemption of the transgressors that were under the first testament, they which were called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there is also the necessity to be the death of the testator. For the testament is in a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it has no strength at all while the testator lives. Whereupon neither the first testament dedicated without blood for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and the goats with water and the scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled it both on the book and all the people. And saying this is the blood of the covenant which God has enjoined unto you. And so let's, um, he says in verse 23, it is therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but with heavenly things themselves, with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into the heavenly itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters into the, to the holy place every year with blood of others, for then must they, he often uh, have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifices of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but afterwards the judgment, so Christ was once offered uh, to bear the sins of many, and unto them, um, look unto him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now, I was going to go through um, a little bit on 10, but I think I'll skip that. Um, for future, let's turn to Revelation, the 20th chapter. Because I think we all look forward to this day. Um, uh, I know I do. Uh, Revelation... 20 and verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and the judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and that which had uh, not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither um, had received the mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. We will have a millennium in the kingdom of God. And I wrote down Leviticus 25, and you can go back and look at that, but um, Matt went through Jubilee, and I got to thinking, I believe, I truly believe that God will, will, will bring back a lot of the things that we see in, in, in the covenant pages, and especially the Jubilee, 20 of them <laughs> during that thousand years, 20 Jubilees, every 50 years, God will have 
freedoms and different things. How they will live, how they will live. But we will be a part of it. We will be the spirit beings that will bring the gospel message to all the rest of the world that is going to survive. Because they will. Now you can read Isaiah, the 11th chapter. And I want to just read, uh, and it's, it's wonderful to see what uh, Christ is going to be doing and how he's going to set up the kingdom. But I just want to read again Isaiah, the second chapter, because I think it's important to, to really focus our, our minds. What is, what is God looking for? When is he going to set his kingdom up? How are we going to be a part of it? All of those things go into our mind, don't they? How are we going to be a part of God's kingdom? What are we going to do? Where are we going? Are we as kings and priests in the kingdom? Or a kingdom of priests? Jesus is a king, but he's also a priest. So he's, you know, he's kind of the king priest, but he's also king of kings and lord of lords. And he will have responsibility over all of, of the nations. And there will be nations. All of, it's not going to be all destroyed, even though it will, there will be a lot of death and a lot of things. But we will be involved. And so when we find out the things that Jesus is constantly doing today, as, as our advocate, as our high priest, as the minister, uh, administering all of the things that God wants him to do, especially on the Day of Atonement, for each and every one of us and for all of his children, because that's what it's all about. You know, the high priest back then was making atonement for the whole nation of Israel, the tabernacle and, and everything, and himself. Today, Jesus is making an atonement for all of us, for all of his children, all over the world, wherever we are. Because we don't know. We're, we're just part of the body of, of Jesus Christ. We're not the whole body. We're just part of the body of Jesus Christ. And he is making atonement for us because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But one day, when he comes back and he sets up his kingdom on the earth, it shall come to pass in those last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall go and say, Come you, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord of the house of God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And in that day, they will be keeping the day of atonement and looking forward to, as we are, the Feast of Tabernacles. 